I remember watching like a leader and an expert in their field and they were like full on intense and like you've got to do this and you're not doing this and this is weak and you've got to strengthen this and, and it's just this intense, intense like an hour and 15 minutes of like being judged and controlled and, and at the end he said and you know what's really important gamification so now we're going to gamify things <laughs> you know and I was like no one was laughing for an hour and now we're going to suddenly laugh you know where it's like adding some element of play humans learn through play you know, humans learn through creativity, neuroplasticity, creating new neural pathways is play. It's the very definition of it. So if you're not having fun or there's not some element of play, you're probably doing it wrong. The connotation of strength coach was really where I began, but I'm really proud to have evolved into just really seeing athletes as human beings. And so I kind of switched what I refer to myself as, as a health and human performance specialist. So what started as we can find balance in a body and look deeper into the movements has now evolved to, I want to make a difference in somebody's life. Hello, and welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Justin BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. We're doing that by assisting people in feeling better in their bodies and minds, and we love connecting with others doing the same because you know what? The change is not outside of us. It starts within. It's always been an inside job. It always will be. And today, we're thrilled to have not one, but two of the most sought-after coaches in the world, Lawrence Van Lingen and Aaron Carson, have risen to legendary status in the world of endurance sports by following their curiosity and not worrying too much about what the mainstream says about mobility and strength for athletes. Guided by intuition and strong intellects, these two coaches are staples in the lives of A-list athletes like Jan Frodeno, Rudy Von Berg, Taylor Nibb, Paula Finley, and so many more. Erin is making her three-peat appearance on the show today, having first come back on the show in 2018 for episode 114, and then just a few months ago for episode 373. Lawrence first came on the show in 2019 for episode 184, which was also his first podcast ever. And after recently speaking to Aaron and then learning that Lawrence had left his Southern California contingency for the athletic Mecca of Boulder, Colorado, we are inspired to get these two on the show together. They eagerly said yes because they're amazing and they love this community and we love listening to the passion they have for everyone to realize free movement in their bodies. We are coming off of about six weeks of incredible triathlon racing and we can't wait to open the vault with these two. So let's go. Aaron and Lawrence, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks. This is amazing. All right. For those that have been living under a rock and have no idea who you are or what you do, I think there's one or two people out there, maybe. Um, Who are you and what is it that you would describe as what you provide for athletes, both professional and age groupers? Because there is some, I think there is some crossover, some, and also some confusion as to actually what it is uh, when I describe what you guys do. So yeah, introduce yourselves and then, and then what is it you provide? Do you want to go first, Lawrence, or you want me to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you always go first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My name is Aaron Carson, and I am a certified strength and conditioning specialist. But I have just recently in the last, probably within the last 12 months, that's become a really confusing uh, title for for me. And I just kind of really started um, understanding that the best performances and the the performances that, that seem to stick and last 
always start with the healthiest athletes. And so I kind of switched my, the, what I refer to myself as, as, as a health and human performance specialist. Um, I think that the, the connotation of strength coach is maybe was really where I began. And, um, but I've really hoped and I'm really proud to have evolved into just really seeing athletes as, as human beings. And, um, so what started as we can find balance in a body uh, and look deeper into the movements has now evolved to, I want to make a difference in somebody's life. And uh, so that's, that's who I am and that that's where I am right now. And, and that's where, uh, where I think uh, I, I will probably just keep evolving into that because it seems to be working. Yeah, well, that's an awesome segue because that's similar to me with, you know, I trained as a chiropractor in a sports chiropractor and then did a lot of rehab, strength and conditioning. I used to coach. And again, you know, trying to get into a space where you let the labels and the definitions fall away because, first of all, we're human beings. Second, we humans blessed enough to move. And lastly, we kind of the labels we attach to ourselves. And I think just like Aaron is really starting to understand that you have to see a, a humans uh, it's kind of like it's been a theme for a little while like humans are emotional pot plants <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> and so we we we, we when, what i mean by that is like we can thrive in an environment if it's emotionally nurturing and um you know like so through through movement through treating fascia nerves i don't know just trying to get people to realize their full potential. Um, and th that means like some sort of creative process where humans self-actualize and are able to express themselves um, in whatever their athletic endeavor is, I suppose, or in any endeavor uh, more fully. And then, and it's kind of like facilitating that. Um, yeah, I know. So it's quite a conflicting title, but it, or, or because we're all like boxes and pigeonholes, but yeah, that's kind of the space where I'm in. You know, it's, it's basically, you know, helping people release or free up or recognize their inner runner, inner swimmer, inner human, inner whatever they want to do. Yeah, and I think that uh, that's why it's so difficult to introduce you guys because you two especially are always, you both have these beginner mindsets where you're just always learning and, you know, learning from within and learning from without, like outside of you as well. And um and that you are constantly morphing and, and changing and, you know, and I've, I've seen it just in our conversations. And of course, Lawrence, I've, I've had the, um, the pleasure of working with you in person. And, um, but I think that's, that's our, like, truly, if we, if we want to talk about purpose, uh, and being here and on this earth, I really believe that we are here to evolve and grow. And as soon as we start to attach to, you know, Aaron being a, a strength and conditioning coach, it just, it puts her in a box and, and limits, you know, her potential, but not just that, like the potential of everybody that you work with. Um, have you guys had to, uh, I'll throw this back to Lawrence first. Have you guys had to learn, um, maybe the hard way of a label that, uh, you were kind of clinging to or, or where the universe maybe tested you and said, are you really this or are you beyond this? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just flip that around is that so many times athletes get pigeonholed 
and we can pigeonhole people and say, oh, yeah, that's how they always are. This guy always blows up. So-and-so always does this. And it's really, really, like, it's, it's really important if you don't want to hamper the, I mean, this is an athletic podcast, right? But, I mean, creative ability, any ability is not to pigeonhole people and to see them, try and see them every day as a new person. Uh, because people that progress rapidly or talent or, or someone that wants to express themselves or per, an athlete whose time has come, you better be looking at them as a new person every single day because that's how quickly they can change and evolve. Um, and yeah, for me, I, I went through a bit of frustrating periods sort of at the end of last year and I realized I was way too attached to a certain style or a certain identity or a certain story that we tell ourselves. Um, you know, and, and um, it is quite interesting is like kind of, if you sort of follow me on social media, we talk about Run Guru and, you know, Run Guru is a fictitious character but it was kind of like, you know, when I worked with, with Jan Fredino, kind of like he was at a real rock-bottom place and he needed a complete reframing. And the only way I could be of value to him was also to reframe everything I knew and lose my agendas and identities and, and stories and, and parts because we had to sort of create a new script. So it turned out to be a very synergistic sort of both of us had to start almost from, I wouldn't say rock bottom, but start from, start from scratch and, and create a new story. And, and then both of us, like just before Nice now, we, well, I sort of put him onto it. We were listening and reading uh, Rick Rubin's book, A Creative Way of Being. And we were both saying like, I think this might be the best running book ever written. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Aaron? Have you um, ever found yourself feeling like, like you're hitting a ceiling because of maybe a label or a, a definition of, of who everyone thinks you are in this world as a, as a, really a, a provider of, of health and wellness? Oh, I, I just feel like I'm just constantly learning, you know, and I'm just always the, the one thing, and I'll just throw this at Lawrence. Um, the one thing when I first met him the, that I loved about him in, and I remember it distinctly right outside at rally sport on the third floor, Lawrence right outside my office. And we both agreed and he, he just led the way because I consider him, uh, you know, somewhat a teacher. And uh, he admitted he didn't know everything and anybody that thinks they do know everything about fascia and the body um, is wrong. And I was like, I really like this guy because he doesn't think he knows everything. And, and I think that was my first attraction to him as a as somebody that I could learn from, as somebody I wanted to be around, as somebody I wanted to welcome. Um, because for me, I don't know, you know, we go through this specialist and generalist and I really wanted in my, parts of me really wanted to be a specialist, but the more I learned about being a generalist, the more I realized my strength was my day-to-day -day in the trenches loving going to work and loving being in the gym and loving all the people and the diversity of the people. Like I don't just work with really good athletes. I work with older people and I work with regular humans who want to live their best life. So I, I, I have a very diverse group of people that I get to play with. And, and I love that, but I'm always seeking more and more to learn. So, you know, I've been referred to as the OG of strength and conditioning for endurance athletes. And, and I think 
yeah, I'm old enough to to merit that, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I also uh, I also see. I don't think all of us are created equal. I think there's a lot of young strength coaches um, trying to follow a very traditional path of of what they interpret strength and everybody should be back squatting. And we see it, we see, we get to see it on YouTube. You know, YouTube for me wasn't around while I was cutting my teeth in endurance sports as a strength coach. And I, um, I worry, I, I honestly worry a little bit uh, about watching what some other people are doing. And I, I also don't worry because I know that my athletes don't, don't do those same things. And, you know, so I, I think there's an evolution to all, all of my cohorts that are doing what I do to support athletes. I think all of us have very good intentions, but I think uh, there's a bigger picture and, and that that's what learning is about. So that, uh, yeah, we don't, we're never going to arrive. It's just a constant destination that we'll, we'll try, you know. But you're willing to try and I think, uh, and explore those boundaries. And I think, Maybe uh, I was just thinking about this in terms of the youngsters coming up. Like, I think there's confidence or safety in knowing that you, you studied this box and you understand these things and that's what you provide. It, it's when we dip our toes outside and we, we maybe find success with it. And I, I, I don't want to, well, I'll ask you guys, do you believe that's because of the experience that you have and the, 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 the testing and, and a, a willingness to fail at something that has put you in that position? Yeah, the interesting enough is um, looking back, a lot of the time it's almost a series of fortuitous events or, or meetings or, or lessons. And one of them was meeting Aaron. I mean, when I first came to the US, you know, Aaron was very gracious and, and sort of, I don't know, we just, she saw something in me and just said, I want you to work with my athletes, which is an extraordinary thing of trust, you know. But I, I can look back on, on my career and just see moments in time where suddenly things change. I was talking about this earlier, like how I ended up being, it's kind of where a lot of things didn't stick. So I, I was in this weird space where I was learning and then I nearly did this course and then I was going to do that course and I nearly did acupuncture and then I nearly did Paul Check's work and then, but they didn't sort of stick and yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I it's just interesting. And one of the interesting things to me is how many times I nearly quit being studying a chiropractor because I just didn't see myself ever being any good at it or, or I didn't think I was, you know, I just wanted to quit as a student. And then <laughs> I, I remember one of the things that was interesting is like I couldn't handle the sameness. I, I, I didn't, like it used to drive me mad if someone said, last time this worked, let's do that again. And I was like, no, 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 that's, I knew that was wrong. You know, so I don't know. Um, I, I think I've never... At school, I had a, a rather interesting lesson where a very dogmatic teacher said, came in one day, because he used to say, this is what Shakespeare meant, right? There was no interpretation. You just had to learn it and regurgitate it. But one day he walked in and he drew a, a square on the blackboard, you know, and he said, there's this concept called thinking outside the box. <laughs> and anyway, then he gave us a 20-minute lecture on thinking outside the box, right? And then I was in trouble and... We used to get caned at school. Um, it was like back, you know, anyway. And so he says, Lauren, you're a good kid, but I do seem to see in my office an awful amount. You know, what's this about? And I said, you know that box you drew on the board? Like, I just don't know how to get inside the box. 
How about you, Aaron? I, I, I like that. I was in the principal's office a lot, too. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> so I, I do. I, I think that, um, you know, in, in, in our world, in, in science, you know, people want proof and they want research. And, and, and I, I enjoy reading research, but I enjoy poking holes in research as well. I mean, the last time that they studied a, a top 1% professional triathlete and did a really good study and came out with some really hardcore evidence what would work. I don't think that exists. Um, you know, I think when we sit and we just, we, there's, there's some really good science that says strength training and, 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 you know, what we do might work and it might not, but it might win a world championship or it might win an Olympic medal, but it might not like there's, there's no proof. And so, the brilliance and the, and the the privilege is in people trusting the journey and people enjoying the journey. And uh, I think that having a having someone like Lawrence, the work that he does speeds up my process. It it gives me that's that's my perspective. Like when I when I meet somebody and I see. I can recognize my eyes are sometimes my best tool, but I, I don't have the skill set to solve the, 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 the situation. And so when Lawrence would come to Boulder um, once a quarter, um, I'd be like, okay, Lawrence, I've got five people for you. And, and I don't want him to fix them, you know, and I, and I don't paint that as you're going to see Lawrence and everything's going to be better because not everybody has, has been open um, you know, not everybody is, is in a position, not all these athletes are in a position to be open to the journey. And it, but if they have been open, I think we can draw a very, very straight line and not, there's not many straight lines in the sport, in sport in general, but we have, when they've come on a journey with us, I think we have been very successful and the athlete has benefited. And it might not be that they, they've won a race that they wished they had won. But they they evolve because this is it, it takes years sometimes to progress to to their greatness and you know and it's just um, yeah having having this this partnership and and now having Lawrence here full time is it's you know I don't want to put everything there's here's a bunch of problems for you to solve because I think there's a lot of journeys <laughs> I'm like here fix this one fix that one like I don't I don't present it that way to the athletes and I don't think I present it to Lawrence and. Um, he, he's an amazing, uh, he's an, I, I don't want to say, I, I, I could say healer, I guess, but I could also see he's, he's like a journeyman. He's like, a, he's like, let's go together on this. And, and I think I'm just super, super lucky to be part of that process. And I think we're just getting started. I mean, you really, Lawrence, how many months have you been, we've been regularly like here and, uh, it's been a couple months only, right? Yeah. For, for how long we've known each other, we've only been we only got sort of some sort of continuity or working together for two and a half months, really two months, because yeah. I was away for three weeks, you know. But, but I wanted, like, so just on this thought, which is which is interesting, because you want to be helpful. So let's say, you know, you look back on our lives and you can say, how do we get to this place where, where you're not disregarding mainstream or science, but what you're doing is, is holding it lightly in your hand and being mindful and respectful of, of, of structure, you know, like let's say I, I would like to speak to young Lawrence now, like how do you find your true calling? Because I'm, I'm in a place where I'm, I'm really happy and fulfilled. 
um, I don't know everything and every time you work with a new athlete there's a sense of like I don't know enough like a little bit of like will this work can't this work which I know is you know once you like I said I'd stop doing Ironman when I stopped getting really nervous after I entered <laughs> and, and one time I did an I entered an Ironman and I thought like did I pay I can't really remember if I paid or not and then I knew like that's that's you're done with Ironman now like there's no sense of Whereas before you like hit that button, should I should I press the intro or not? You know. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm thrilled and excited to go to work. But I think one of the just for people is this notion, and also with mobility, it comes in and with comes in with movement. You have to have structure to have freedom, and like people have to pay their dues. You have to study. You have to learn. You have to. You you just have to. There's no you like. What, the more you know, the more you can hold that knowledge lightly in your hand and not be a, a dogmatic to the, you know. So, so let's say you're a, you're a young PT or a young strength and conditioning coach. If you've got a student loan and you're still paying your college off every month, you're strongly held to that identity and that knowledge because you're paying them every month. You're not even free of them. You know, and that's okay because that's where you're at, you know, and then you start learning and then, you know, and, but later on it is, it is to get to the point where you know enough and have seen enough and experienced enough and there is no shortcut for this. You can get to the point where you can say, okay, we've seen this play out many times before. We have experience. Like, like I tell athletes now, like sometimes I said, this is a well-traveled path. This is not new. It'll be a new path for you and it's a new experience for me, but you know, to, to have been there and done that so many, so many times that you, you, you can sort of, you know generally where you're going and you're confident that, and there has to be honesty and openness and trust that you can solve problems as they arrive. You know, that's kind of, I think, the space Aaron and I are both in. Um, you don't know everything, but you can figure it out and, mm-hmm. and first do no harm and, yeah, you know, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the trust in in uh, our ability to be in that solution energy and uh, you know recognize the problem, but when we can see the problem and move into okay, what can we do? Let's try this. Let's try this. Like what what makes sense here as as we walk into the unknown. That's um that's where you get like the wisdom, right? Yeah. It's, it's, um, you need the book knowledge to get started. You really do. But then, and that gives confidence and hopefully you continue to follow those hits from your life to continue to grow and expand. Um, but we are just coming off of like this massive, I mean, it's <laughs> been just like Party, 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 like amazing races. We're talking, we had the PTO US Open, the Asia Open, the Paris test event, 70.3 Worlds, <laughs> Ironman um, World Championship in Nice, France. And of course, throw in a little Chris, uh, Chris McCormick. We got Super League, which is like fast and furious and crazy uh, racing that we love as well. So my gosh, we, I think we could spend hours just picking apart all these races. 
But we saw some pretty outstanding performances and some pretty beautiful running and moving. Um, what are some moments or some athletes that uh, that stand out for you over these last six weeks? Erin, uh, I'll start with you. Well, I'm going to hand it right to Lawrence because the most amazing thing I saw was Jan Ferdano win the VTO US Open. That was... That was brilliant. And the moment that stuck out for me really was um, when they came off the bike and, and Ferdano was just running and he looked good and he looked good. And there was a, a shot of him when he was in the park and he had dropped Christian and, and he just turned around and he just kind of, he didn't look scared, but he, he, he knew he had that moment and he took it. And it was uh, probably one of the most memorable things <laughs> for me and brilliant, just amazing. What about you, Lawrence? What was what stood out for you? But besides, I'm sure that you were just like overjoyed with, you know, with Jan's experience that day and all that aligned for him, um, all his hard work and everything coming into that that amazing win. Yeah, oof, I, I, literally, I think more has happened in the last three months than I feel like in ten years. It's just extraordinary, as you say. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Jan's, Jan's Milwaukee race was was special. Um, given, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, it's kind of a conversation I've had with him, and it's just like, no one will ever really know how how low the lows were and how much he had to overcome. You know, um, and, and to be part of that journey is just is an absolute privilege. Um, you know, we've we, we created memories and, and experiences that I'll, I'll definitely take with to the grave and. Just to see him, you know, because that day didn't didn't really go his way. So you saw someone, like, in the swim, you know, he was on the pack and he was slightly off the pack and he kind of, you know, it wasn't like he, he dominated from start to finish. And it was he was never, like, you know, he had to work, he had to be in the right place at the right time. He made really good strategic decisions. Like, that was for me as well an expression and a culmination of a lot of experience and race smarts and being like just you know the skin suit thing where he took his skin suit off in the in the transition he had the presence of mind to say well the head referee's there why don't I just ask him because you know, a lot of people have strong opinions oh there's two rules for this pro or that pro but like in that moment just hey ref do I have to go back and the guy said no give it to me perfect you know, like, it's extraordinary. It shows a lot of composure and a lot of poise because he was on the back foot and he was kind of falling behind and, you know what I mean? And and, and those PTO races are full on. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was amazing to be there and to witness all of that and, like, to be, you know, like, play a part in Jan's journey and, um, you know, it's just a, what a privilege and what a, what a, what a, what a gift. And, 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 you know, like, I just want to put in here, like, because there's obviously a lot of speculation is that, you know, Jan pitched up to Nice in arguably the best shape of his life. And, you know, it's just for whatever reason that race didn't unfold. Um, but he was, he was, you know, he'd gone into Nice swimming, like done test sets in swimming, which was just, you know, a level above Milwaukee. And he was biking a level above Milwaukee. And he, he was running significantly better than Milwaukee. And it, it is kind of, you know, it's just how how it works that that was not his day to show his craft, you know, but where's Milwaukee was, but it, it is interesting, like a, a leveled up version of Jan towed the line in, in, in Nice. And it, I feel like 
yeah, it's kind of sad that the world didn't get to see that, you know, because that would have been like mastery. And the whole, here's something that will play into it is like the whole project with Young was mastery, not medals, seeking mastery of movement rather than the goal itself. But yeah, and then, but you can't take away like so many good performances, you know, and so many breakthroughs. And like, I mean, I just like quickly off the top of my head, like Ashley Gentle's really learning how to bike, which I think should make everyone really nervous. Like, um, people are learning to swim and like ye, you talk about ye. Like, I think the most impressive thing is how much is swimming, his bike's improved. Never mind his running, you know, like, and these people are just, I don't know, like the whole there's a massive leveling up, you know, seeing Laidlow, like his run, I mean, Kona last year was an extraordinary performance, but this year his run just looks so rock solid. And you just like, oh my, you know, like he's, people are just leveling up and evolving and moving and wow, you know, I don't know. It's too much for one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we were losing sleep trying to watch these races at like, like 10 o'clock at night or we 11 were, o'clock at night. We were, we had like 22 people here for a corporate <laughs> retreat and we're literally like staying up all night to like, and we're like, okay, it's fine. Cause all we need to do is do yoga and meditation. Like that'll be an energizing. And we're like staying up all night long to watch these races. It was so fun. <laughs> It was so fun. It was it was a blast. Yeah. Um, Aaron, I just watched your latest YouTube. I, I think it was on Monday, and you mentioned Rudy because I know you you've worked with Rudy and yeah. and um, and his training has like elevated. You said to a point where you're just working with him with mobility and and getting him you know to, to keep the, those that movement pattern uh, around. But to have so much pressure on someone who's who lives there and they hyped it up for so long saying, this is Rudy's course. Like he grew up there since he was four or whatever. And, um, what was it like working with him? And, and, and then what was, what was your impression of his performance? Well, first and foremost, Rudy Von Berg is probably one of the coolest people I've ever met. Um, in his YouTube before Nice, they said, um, what time does the race start on race day? And he goes, he's like, I don't know when the race starts actually. <laughs> he just, and that's so, that's so him. Um, it, it, yeah. Being with Rudy and working with Rudy, I have to listen and really respect him more. Like I, I don't push him. He's like, Aaron, I'm training 32, 33 hours a week. McCall is, uh, uh, Eden is his coach. This is a, a relatively new coach, less than two years for Rudy. Um, he is all in on McCall. And, you know, my role, a lot of leading into Nice was uh, chasing him around with my backpack on my bicycle on his runoffs of bike and carrying shoes for him to try and carrying his lactate meter or water or carbohydrate and, you know, just supporting him and his guys that were running with him as he. So I, I take on different roles at different times and, and I don't care. I just want to be around uh, him and watching him run. And a lot of times I will send those videos to Lawrence and I'm like, what do you think? Like, he looks good to me. Like, and sometimes I think the brilliance in what we do is just sometimes having the courage as a professional to leave it alone and just say, he's good. And I trust him. And, um, and sometimes I, I get a little insecure about my role, you know, and I'm, but I'm like, I can't, I don't think he needs more single leg squats. I don't think he, he needs to go to bed. Like he needs to be at home and sleep and, and, you know, I'm always asking him and we have a, we have a good relationship and I'm like, do you have a girlfriend? Like, what's, is that okay? Like, you know, and he's, he gets, he blushes and he's like, yeah, Aaron, that's okay. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you know? So I, um, 
yeah, you know, just he does, he's not a big talker, but watching him execute, I knew, I, I got to say, he was not, I was not surprised by his performance. I expected that performance. I, I, I it's wonderful when it comes together. Uh, he, I don't think he took pressure. I don't think that's his style. I think he wants to go do his best. He made very good decisions in that race, uh, as they all have have to in races. When he went with, because I'm with you guys, I'm up all night watching these damn races too, and I'm like, oh God, Didi, please, please stop talking. Like, just the silence is okay. Like, you know, because in the middle of the night, and I, Didi's one of my closest friends, but those guys, her and Michael, can talk. I mean, that's insane. I do not want that job, but. But watching him, the moment for me in that race that made the difference for Rudy was when Magnus came upon him and he decided to go with him. And uh, I thought, I was like, oh, this is good. This was a good decision because he's, he, they're putting time into those guys behind them. And, and we're pretty confident. We, I, we know what each one of those men is going to run. Um, and Rudy needs a little bit of time. He needs a little bit of cushion for a Patrick Langa, as we saw, because um, Patrick did have a very special day. Um, I, that didn't surprise me either, um, seeing him coming into Nice. So I, I'm really happy for Rudy, but I know his best is yet to come. I, I really know that, uh, he is just continuing to, he is, he is personally, physically, uh, doing really well with the training style of McCall Eden. He, and he's fully committed to that process. Um, we will have a good off season. He will be a different athlete when he comes out of the off season, uh, and he will be better. So just super happy for him. He just missed it by just that little bit. Those are, this is, these guys are getting really, really good. So it's cool to see. Yeah. It, thank you for asking yeah, Rudy. about Rudy. Cause I love that guy. Rudy's performance in Nice was spectacular. And, um, you know, and I agree 100% with Aaron. I think there's a lot more to come from, from Rudy, you know? Um, and yeah, it, it is interesting. It's like it, that Nice course, because I didn't really know what to think about it before going there, but it is a championship course and you have to make so many correct decisions and you have to be in the moment all the time, right on, like on the bike, you know, and it's a long bike because, I mean, you know, Layla biked four and a half hours. So, you know, a lot of these courses now, the, the pros are biking four ten. So it's a, it's a full 20 or 30 minutes and you have to be dialed, you have to be concentrating, you have to be making very, very good decisions in the moment under duress, including nutrition and pacing and stuff. And that was such a mature performance and such a remarkable performance from Rudy. It was definitely, you know, um, it was amazing. Good job, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just watching uh, the championship in Nice, um, Matt, it just, it appeared to me and I could feel it just what, what an incredible course it was. Uh, what um, incredible support. I actually was talking to a friend of mine who did it, and he talked about how, yeah, the race was great and the bike course was epic, he said, but it was the walk home after the finish line when he was getting standing ovations from restaurants that like are the things he'll never forget. Um, so, Lawrence, I, you were there, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, uh, what were some of the things like maybe outside of the obvious that you feel just really added to the world championship vibe? It's different. People that I spoke to said they're really happy that they came and their families were happy because I think that the, the niece can soak them up and there's something for people to do. And, and, you know, 
like it, it's not Kona's almost uh, the you know the, the race almost overwhelms the destination a little bit. And everywhere you look, it's just triathletes everywhere. Whereas, whereas Nice can handle. I mean, they had a World Cup rugby on at the same time, and and, and the, the the city can handle the traffic and the volume, which I think helps because you can kind of it doesn't have to be just all about triathlon and your family certainly can probably have a good time. So I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, the course is just magnificent. The swim, they come right in. So we on the beach, you can see them literally a stone's throw. I mean, we were skipping rocks, you know, the, the day of the race and we certainly threw rocks on them <laughs> further than the athletes were, you know, that's how close they were coming in on the course again. Um, and there's, there's a real sense of, Oh, I mean, it, you know, the, the, the swim is beautiful. The water is amazing. You know, you really feel like part, as a spectator, part of it. And I think the athletes feel part of, feel that spectatorship. You know, the bike is is just something else. Um, but it's a championship bike course. You know, I, I, there are people that are just going to get, never be able to compete at Nice because of the bike. It, it, it is that much of a, of a significant factor. And I think some age group is going to find it really, really challenging if you come from a flat place and you don't know how to corner and descend. Um, but the bike's got everything. It's got flat, it's got wind, it's got false flats. It's got, you know, it, um, so that that's amazing. And then just w- the run is, is um, you know, in the Queen K, you know, there's, there's such a different vibe. You go out and you sort of get lost in, Spectators aren't allowed past a certain point, and you know the athletes go slog it out in the lava fields on their own. Whereas in Nice, you just the whole run, you can just watch athletes. I mean, literally, you can see them. Well, in one section, you can see them out, back, there, and back. So four times, four laps. You know, you see them sixteen times. You know, um, so so that that sense of of really being there, being part, being part of the crowd. Um, finishing with support, yeah, you know, four laps on a run is kind of mentally tough, but then it's not that tough if you've got your family and you just see them again and again and you're getting support. And the other dynamic is the athletes obviously see each other a hell of a lot, so that everyone knows exactly where everyone else is, um, which is which is different, you know. But it, yeah, so it's a very different vibe and place from Kona, but it, wow, just what an event, you know. And um, and you know, the Europeans love endurance sport; they appreciate cycling. You know, we were sitting there, Cavendish was there, Froome was there, um, George Hincapie came to watch the event. Like, you know, so the cyclists, um, there was a lot of just talk and buzz and, yeah, it, it, it's well received and it's going to be amazing championship course. You know, I can't wait to see the, the women race that course. And I think it does add a different dynamic to, to Kona, you know, a different, athlete, a different type of athlete can win. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Were you, you were, were you there, Aaron, or were you you were? No, were no, I did not go. I um I had the opportunity in 2019 to to compete at, on that course or part of it for 70.3 Worlds, and uh, I I prepared in Boulder where there's lots of mountains and halfway up that climb and and I had a very good day that day. I mean, I I thought I had come top ten in my age group and I'm like twenty fifth, but I was like, that's the best race I've ever done. But halfway up the hill, I was like, this is insane. Like I am under prepared for this because eight and nine and ten percent and every kilometer it's like, oh the next kilometer is eight percent. Oh the next kilometer is nine percent. And you're like, this is horrible. <laughs> like it's so hard. So it is like 
watching the the pro men do that and figure out each one of them climbed differently. I mean, but as you guys all know, and you watched it, um, there were guys, very, very, very talented men, 20 minutes down in the first two hours of the race or 15 minutes down. And, and that's because those short little punchy pitches, those are not 8%. They're like 12%. So it's how they choose to race that course. And the women learned a lot from watching the men. And I'm already thinking about it for next year. Uh, you know, how, how we will attack that. Um, it's super interesting and it's, yeah, it's going to be brilliant. And I know a lot of the men are excited to go back to Kona next year. I think the diversity of it will be really fun. Well, that's the thing with, with, you know, all the, uh, the change, right. And we're resistant to change. And of course this is this, I could, we could script this, like a new geographic location will come up for a race and people will resist it because it's unknown. And we're going to see all this evidence about why it's not as good as the thing that we know. The brain is, the mind is like, what's going on here, but it just takes time. It's momentum. And these experiences that, that we're sharing is just reinforcing that. Yeah. We don't have to get stuck in this rut. And back to what we were talking about before the box of Kona, it's a world championship. And I think, exploring new options give people who aren't so well-versed in heat or being out in the, in no man's land by themselves. Um, now they have the opportunity to be in, in, in Nice, which gives a, a whole another set of opportunities, not, um, drawbacks or, or things that don't work so well. And I think this whole momentum in, in, in the sport of triathlon where it's now becoming more spectator friendly because we've got closer loops. We've got these run courses and the PTO is doing shorter circuits and it's, yes, it's not for everyone, but it sure is more spectator friendly to, to actually be there, witness it and see them more often than to just see them leave on the bike and then enter on the bike. Yeah. agree hundred percent. I love what the PTO is doing. I love the rankings. I love as a coach, taking on an athlete. Um, one of my newest athletes is Imogene Simmons. And, uh, we started working together in the fall, uh, last year. And I had the chance to meet up with her in Majorca. We did some work together. We work on the zoom while she is wherever she is. And, uh, when we started together, she was number 56. And I said, well, the goal is to get into the top 30. We got to get into the top 30 because that gets you into the Collins cup. If that, you know, are the invites, the opens, cause this is all changing all the time well she as she sits now number 10 and for me that's really like i go to bed at night thinking what did we do what did we do like a she's hugely talented b we're just starting to be able to say okay we went from 56 to 10 or we went from 12 to 4 or how are we going to keep you in the top 10 like these rankings are starting to have meaning and, and performances become more and more important each one. They don't have, they always have to show up. And that's to the, I mean, I, I, I think we should talk more about Ashley because it's, and the women, because Ashley and is really committed to the PTO circuit. And I know Taylor is, is all over the place, like with Ironman and WTCS and, and uh, PTO as well. I mean, the opportunities for everyone is pretty amazing. And, but Ashley's consistency and, and elevating everyone else to know they ha they have to be better. You know, she's so consistent. So I don't think either one of us works with Ash, but she's obviously got a good team behind her and with her. Yeah. And a, and a good attitude, you know, 
but the PTO is just so full on and you can't have a weakness. Like, you know, like the, it's extraordinary. And, and, you know, Ashley was always a good swim runner and, and you know, like I, I just wouldn't say a powerhouse on the bike, but, you know, Milwaukee, your bike was really strong and, and in Singapore is really, really strong. And so, yeah, you know, these like, but you can't have a, it, if you, if we wind the clock back, I, I almost think like, when Flora Duffy sort of made like her bike in the WTS was just such a factor, you know, like that was like that, that was like a pivotal moment where it started to change and suddenly like everyone had to work on their bike. And I, I remember, I don't know if this is true. I never really sort of fact checked it too much, but there was almost a notion that the, at the Olympics, I think the power to weight ratio of the woman on the bike was higher than the men's. And I think in Edmonton in that, triple series and I mean someone please correct me if I'm wrong but I think the women actually bike quicker than the men they, they race three times and the women's bikes quicker than the men and then you know Taylor can obviously really sort of really ride a bike and just out of necessity like suddenly you just have to be able to ride a bike in in, in WTS like that's just how you know what I mean if you if you uh, and I, you know, it's it's extraordinary with the sport now, where you're starting to see like WTS have a foothold in the PTO, and then the PTO has a foothold in the long course, and then these weaknesses are getting eliminated, and then we're seeing those skills translated across into, into the different disciplines. And you know, now you don't really want to go to Kona like in the old days. You know, like guys, I don't know, you could come from behind in the second pack, and the Uber bikers would bike to the front. You know, whereas in, in you know in Kona now, you know, and let's say Lucy Charles Barty could swim off the front. Like I don't think she's going to swim off the front in Kona, and I think she's going to have company. And suddenly, you know, you'd much rather be in the front pack on the swim <laughs> and have a strong bike than not have a best swim and then try and bike your way or to try and run down some deficit. I mean, like Chelsea Sodaro, just you know, she got off in that position and her running's her strongest discipline. So it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic where, where, you know, and I think PTO has got a, got a part of, like you said, these rankings. And then just one other thing, because, like, you know, we're sort of having a four-way conversation kind of thing is, it's really interesting is that what it takes to get to number one is sometimes easier than staying at number one. <laughs> so if we're talking about running... Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like staying there because I feel like everyone is raising the bar. Yeah. I feel like at every one of these races, you see a performance that, you know, it, it, for a little while, I think we were just really focused on the Norwegians and, oh, these two guys and they got it. But now you, we're seeing Ashley Gentle, Taylor Nib, um, you know, Paula Finley, just uh, her bike is insane how strong she is on the bike. Um, Sam Laidlow, you know, he had talk about putting in a box. You know, I, I we were at Kona last year and I remember him coming off um coming off the bike and he was running strong and everybody around was talking like, Oh, he's going to fade. He's going to fade. He's never going to, this is what he does. But man, he broke out of that box and then obviously just dominated this year. And, and, and what a beautiful thing to see. But the one thing I've, I've noticed, like Ashley Gentle, Cassandra Bogrand is another one of these they're running and they just, you guys, it, it doesn't look like they're doing much. Like, what is it that we're seeing in these? Cassandra Bogren especially just looks like she is 
there's just not a constriction in her body, how fluid she is. And maybe I have a rookie eye and I'm not seeing something that you guys are seeing, but what is it that's allowing them to look so relaxed and run so dang fast? Yeah, well, you just said it. You got to relax to run fast. That's it. It's not much more complicated than that, you know. Um, mm. I mean, sorry, I've jumped in there. Um, I, I had this conversation with, with someone this morning, and it's like where your attention goes, your energy goes. And so it, it is interesting in running. You have to focus on the solutions, and running is an efficiency sport. And... You know, you just, like, the first thing, if I work with an athlete, I'll tell you, running is an efficiency sport. These triathletes have probably got bigger VO2 maxes than, let's say, Elliot Kipkerje or Faith Kipiego. But then you're not as efficient, and which is massive massive potential for upside. But I think, from my perspective, and I think running's got a lot better looking, and I think it's because of super shoes. <laughs> and I think super shoes <laughs> taught people to focus in some way, whether aware of it or not, on energy return, which is efficiency in sport, which is the elastic energy return system in your body, which is kind of like fashion, connective tissue, and, and all of that. And, um, yeah, you, you, when you run, you have to focus on the ease of running, not on how hard it is. As soon as you focus on trying harder, forcing it, you know, those problems tend to amplify. People tend to blow up and, you know, and you, you, we, we sort of, from my perspective, people went through a, a phase of, well, they're still in, stuck in that phase because I think that the world's moved on, but people's perceptions of the world haven't changed. You know, so, so the, the, the narrative's still stuck, whereas people are actually running differently now. Um, Jay DeSherry's got an amazing little YouTube video on, on, on the super shoes, and he talks about um, cushioning versus compliance. So, like, we used to cushion shoes. And in cushioning, the aim was to not have high ground impact forces. And so we sort of increased turnover and had a shorter stride. Whereas the super shoes is about compliance, which is about how hard basically you press into the ground and then you'll be matched for an energy return out of the ground, which is very different. So like cadence, you're picking your feet off the ground. <laughs> compliance, you're putting your foot down on the ground harder to get an energy return. And that's a leap of faith. And it is interesting, like, like this you know, telling, reframing things in terms of, and with a lot of athletes is reframing how you perceive the world. And also what happens is once you do that, of course, how the world perceives you. But if you want to run efficiently, you have to be looking for solutions. You, like, how do you know you're on the right path in running? Because like, let's say the way I work is kind of controversial. Some people say, well, everyone else is saying this. Why do you say this? And I said, well, you need to know. You need to feel like, does this feel deeply authentic? Do I feel connected? Does this feel easier? Does my movement seem less complicated? Does it, you know, like, is it fragmented and herky-jerky in lots of different complicated parts? Or do I feel more at ease? Do the parts sort of disappear? And, you know, Cassandra Bogart, when she runs, like there's one thing moving down the road. It's not busy at all. And in her mind, mm. it's simple because it's, it's the whole is distilled into one. But that's if you in running you have to choose the path of efficiency and the path of ease, and you have to make join the dots so that they connect and talk across things. And that's what Aaron's so good in the strength is. You see Aaron working, and like from my perspective, I just see athletes joining dots. How does my ankle connect to my hip? Connect to my shoulder? <laughs> because once you get 
those structures talking to each other, then your movement becomes simpler and not more complicated. Whereas a lot of, like, let's say if you're talking about isolation, oh, my glute medius is weak and I need to strengthen my glute medius, otherwise my hip will drop. You know, you're fo- focusing on one part and the part of the problem <laughs> and the limitation and you're being judged. Like, we, you know, but you might find that, well, your hip's dropping for many, many reasons and we don't know why. But focusing on the problem is almost a problem in itself because your movement can get more and more fragmented. Whereas you have to be solution-based and you have to know enough to know like if I change the timing of my running and I put my hip down on the ground in a different way, my glute medius have a chance to express itself. <laughs> and you're focusing on, on solutions and giving the glute medius the best chance to function as it was designed to is, is kind of a different way of framing it. I think people I are way. That. I think people are way over band walking. I think they just are doing far too much band walking. <laughs> we need we need to eliminate band walking, monster walks. You know, I mean, it's it the 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 even just if you want to just not go to the woo woo, which I love the woo woo of the freedom of expression of the glute medius. I mean, I let's quote that. Let, let's call this podcast <laughs> the freedom of expression of the glute medius. But, but you can't, you can't treat that muscle like it's itself, you know, it, like it's just lives by alone because he has to have tons of friends and they have to sequence in, in the right way. And, and also I think when you focus too much on, on one thing, um, people attach themselves to that they have a problem or they have a dysfunction or, and then they, they're distracted by it and, and it does create less freedom as well. So, you know, it's, you're, we're, we're not, we're not trying to fix things. We're trying to bring harmony to the body, trying to find strength and, and sequencing. I mean, I love playing catch. The new gym that I'm working in has a beautiful big field. And, and a lot of times an athlete will come in and I can remember working with Tim Don, uh, before this accident. And we played, I knew that he loved to play a little bit of soccer, a little bit of rugby, and I got a rugby ball. And it, I brought it to the workout and we just played catch and he just laughed and smiled. And the same thing I've had the chance to work with, with Craig Alexander and Craig was a soccer player growing up. So we played some soccer. And so there's this freedom that comes with play that doesn't go straight down the queen K or doesn't go running around a track. Like it, it is important probably, you know, to talk about Taylor a little bit because um, Lawrence and I are, you know, we're just working a little bit together with Taylor a lot right now with running. And she was like, I think I need to go to the track. And I go, I hate the track. Why do we have to go to the track? (laughs) Like, can't you go? We live in Boulder. We have so many beautiful trails. Let's consult Lawrence. Lawrence, what do you think? Track or trail? Or what are we thinking? Like, you know, this, if we run on a track, it's just circle. And I go, yeah, I guess if you ran both directions, we could go to the track. Like, you know, that's just a recent conversation, but I just think there's this freedom that comes from the trails and from the gravel bikes. I know so many triathletes are loving gravel, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and less traditional ways of, of training. Mm. Yeah. I think harmony symphony, you know, like, like I'll say to people, no one cares how, and, and this context, like we, you can't go wrong with strong, which is a lovely saying, but it needs context, right? So, like, no one cares how strong Eric Clapton's fingers are. <laughs> it's the nuance. It's the pause. It's like, 
You know what I mean? Like, and, and when you're starting on your journey, like and you're playing guitar, your fingers aren't strong enough to push the strings in. So you have a strength deficit. But at some point, you don't have a strength deficit. And, and it is interesting, like creating that sort of symp- symphony. And when you see watch Cassandra running, it's like one thing. So like, it's not, you know, there's 36 muscles. If you put your hands on either side of your hips, there's 36 muscles between your hands. 36, not just two glute mediuses. You know, and, and so when they start working in symphony and empowerment, you, you know, you, 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 it gets quiet, you know, or you hear, you know, when you listen to an orchestra, you don't think, oh my God, there's 36 musical pieces playing here. No, it's music. It's one thing, you know, and, and, and trying to get people out of the segmented and, <clears throat> you know, and, and, and more into the whole is, is, is really, really challenging. Um, because we, you know, like this notion of cadence just comes up. Like, oh, what's your cadence? What's your running? You know, the cadence is one metric that's easy to measure and it's it's extraordinary. But, like, if your cadence is perceived as too low, you have to ask why. You know, why? And <laughs> no one's asking why. It's just like your cadence is too low, which is a external judgment of someone else and the way you move, which doesn't make you feel very good. And we need to pick it up. You know, and you're going like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's a symphony. It's a symphony. It's, uh, you know, the, and the body has this incredible inherent wisdom, um, and it will compensate and it will find imbalance to keep you going. And, and when we look at it as this, you know, a million things moving at once, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's like, I've always seen that from, uh, you know, just a nutrition standpoint. I always think like, well, like my diet should be, a symphony yeah. of so many things, you know, so that all the symphony of my body can, can receive that. Like nobody goes to the symphony to hear just like one guy playing the violin. That would be the worst. It's, it's everything together. It's not just one thing. It's, it's so many things. Um, and that's why, you know, whatever out of the books, in the box, like intuition, creativity, whatever it is, the the thing that you two both have is just this, you know, this open mind that says, okay, it's, I know what I'm like, I'm looking at this thing that's really obvious, but that's also not the answer. There's, 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 and there's different ways to get the answer to allow this symphony to come back into tune. Yeah. And, and, and the crescendo of the symphony, like sometimes it's really loud and full on. And then sometimes it's back down to quiet. And it's the same with diet, you know, like as humans, we're so busy want to do the same thing because that worked, but Humans are so complicated, and like we talked about the whole time, everything is so fluid and changing, like the splits and stuff. And so the second you think you've got something dialed, I think you, you're in trouble. And the second you try and repeat what worked in the past too much, like we can learn from the past, but, you know, humans are really, really complex, and it's a creative act, and it's a creative process working with people and, you know, like staying fluid and, and you know, I think – like someone was saying to me, I don't know, like just about liability or responsibility. And I said, like, you have to own your failures and you have to take people's lives and well-being and first do no harm very, very, very seriously. And and honor the person that you're working with and honor the relationship of the person that you're working with. 
that they have the best possible outcome and then with those kind of intentions there will be some sort of creative process and act where where good things start to happen. But there's too many failbacks. Oh, you sign a waiver. Well, that's not me. Or someone gets injured and it's like, oh, well, you know, these things happen, you know, or it's part of the game. Whereas, you know, I it is interesting is, is um, you know, humans, are, yeah, we're really complex. <laughs> and it's really fascinating to, to work with. Like, let's say for fascia, if you're working with fascia, you can't have it, you can't have your agenda with fascia. If you want to help someone fit their own skin, you you have to almost work from their perspective and their point of view. And it's too easy. You know, like you can scrape fascia with a scraping blade and you can cut it and change it and move it. And But that's you imprinting your agenda on someone. Whereas, again, I think Erin and I, and I'm starting to understand, I mean, I've always sort of known this, but starting to understand more and more is like what you're trying to do is trying to, help people express themselves and see the people as whole and perfect and moving people towards a whole and perfect space. And when you see it in an athlete that's got it, you go like, oh, my God, totally, that's amazing. Yet when you see an athlete trying too hard and it's forced and it's difficult and it's segmented and it's angsty and it's just like, that don't look right. (laughs) (laughs) Something's off, you know what I mean? Anyway, so that's incredible. And then changing the environments, like, like you know, and adding I, – I remember I watched – I mean, I know I'm hogging the, the conversation now, but I remember watching, like, a leader and an expert in their field, and they were, like, full on intense and, like, you've got to do this and you're not doing this and this is weak and we've got to strengthen this and lift your hip and that hip's falling. And it's just this intense, intense, <laughs> like, an hour and 15 minutes of, like, being judged and controlled and you've got to do it this way. <laughs> and at the end he said – and you know what's really important? Gamification. So now we're going to gamify things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No one was laughing for an hour. And now we're going to suddenly laugh. You know, it's like adding some element of plays. Humans learn through play. You know, humans learn through creativity, neuroplasticity, creating new neural pathways is play. It's the very definition of it, you know. So if you're not having fun or there's not some element of play, you're probably doing it wrong. Hmm. Yeah. And, and this, these are all things I'm, I'm glad you're sharing this because these are all things we can start to focus on now, not wait to that moment when we're injured or at our, our, our deepest, darkest moment. And we're like, I just want something to change. Uh, you can find joy in things right now. And I think that's, that's the thread to pull upon. Um, you don't have to wait for those things to happen. That's something I want to scream from the mountaintop. Like, and, and you both provide guidance to prepare. So I'm sure you guys have people that see you at the the last thread. It's like, I've tried everything. Like you guys got to help me. And it's like clinging to this rope, but there's things that we can do in our daily life. These little movement patterns, which I've learned from both of you that we can just start to incorporate a little bit every day over a long period of time that will help you progress to where you want to go eventually. What, what the timeline is, whatever, it doesn't really matter if we can detach from that but you're giving us the tools and guidance to prepare our bodies to do the thing that we love, but it doesn't have to be so hard. So back to that complicated and hardness. What is it, what is it you both, and I'll start with Aaron, what is it right now? Cause I've watched your videos and, and, and listened to you guys. What, what are you jazzed about or something that you are really passionate about in, 
in working with athletes or you found in yourself that are, that is really resonating right now? There's so many things. There's the breath, there's pulling tires, <laughs> the rope. Um, what is it, uh, starting with you, Aaron, that you're really resonating with? I, I think for me is finding, uh, the way to make simple things seem hard sometimes to create the value to keep showing up because the, the breath work and the expansion of the rib cage and the mobility, a lot of athletes will poo poo that from time to time when they come to see me, they're like, I can do that on my own at home. I, I think that it's different when an athlete I've seen a, in the gym settings before when athletes just, they, they want to go do their core work as they call it. Um, and so they're going to do a bunch of planks after the session when we're done. And I'm like, please don't do that. Please just go home and make dinner. And, and it's almost like the simplicity, like my work is getting more and more simple and I think it's effective and rather than look at what we do on a daily basis, I, I almost want to scream from the mountaintops. It's like, you don't need so much. You know, I, I have, um, I, I, I probably am weak to a fault that I get so invested with every athlete that I have the opportunity to work with. And, and I want to help them live their dreams because I've, I've been able to help people live their dreams and that's what I enjoy. And so when sometimes those relationships are cut short, I of course have to look inward and I have to go, what have I missed here? And, and in some cases it's like, well, I can do all everything we've done together and I can do on my own and I will do it on my own. And I go, well, okay, but I know it's not the same. And so I, I have to maintain and believe in the process that I believe in. I have to, to, to accept that not everybody's going to just stay, stay on that path with me. But then the people that do, I freaking want them to ride Cassandra's legs off. So she can't run so beautifully. <laughs> like, I'm like, we haven't done out. I just want to beat you. You know, it's like, because I want to show you that the journey that we were on was the right path. And it, yeah, maybe it didn't show itself in the first two races, but this is a, a long journey. And I see Lawrence smiling because he knows exactly what I'm talking about because I counsel with him a little bit sometimes. But, you know, I, I do feel like when the runners get off the bike and they look brilliant and they look beautiful, then we haven't done our job as a triathlete to disrupt that flow. And I think that's going to elevate the sport. Um, I think we have to expose that. Um, I think when Taylor and Flora or Georgia Taylor Brown are in the bike pack, it is a completely different race. And, and I like those races and to, to, as a fan, cause I am a super fan. Like we don't stay up all night because, you know, we're coaches and people are paying us to stay up all night. We do it because we love the sport and, and, uh, watching it all play out and watching how each athlete, um, has a strength, you know, Jason pole this weekend, Jason and I've been working together for two years and he had a seventh place finish in, in Roth. And he is just, he passed Sam long in mile 24 at Ironman Maryland and got his Kona slot. And Lawrence has been working with, with Jason as well. I mean, he's one of those guys that he, once he settles into something and he feels small increments of I'm on the right path. And this is, this is what you love, you know, and, and the races, each one of them have different things that they do well, like seeing Ashley gentle ride better. That's only going to make Taylor ride better. 
You know, nobody thought Taylor could run as well as Taylor is running, you know, last uh, two, two 70.3 world championships, you know, in a row because she can run like with the best in the world. And, and, but everybody thinks of her as a cyclist, but she rides everybody's legs off. Like we talk about it, ride their freaking legs off. So it's, it's going to be an exciting few years. And, and I get jazzed by the outcomes. Uh, I want to be judged by the outcomes. I don't, we're not, there's no secrets to what I, I do, but I think I feel, uh, what the athlete needs when they come in, how they look when they come in. Are they depressed? Are they sad? Are they cocky? Are they confident? Like all of those beings then when are they exhausted? Like I've seen all of it show up. Uh, I watch some of these YouTubes, uh, of athletes that, that we will compete against. And I'm like, she's exhausted or he's exhausted. What are they doing? Like, are they doing this for YouTube? Like, this is good for us. So, you know, it exhausted is probably not that good. So I'm jazzed about the outcomes. I'm jazzed about where the sport's coming and and I play a small role in helping make some of those cool changes happen. And I'm, I feel really lucky. So that's kind of my excitement. I love it. I love it. Lawrence, take us home in this podcast. What are you jazzed about right now? I heard you had a, uh, BJ was speaking about some kind of mobility aha moment. What did, what did you say? He yet? didn't share it, but he did mention, I don't no, know no, if no. it's <laughs> serious or not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jazzed. I'm, I'm going to touch on what Erin said is, um, in the woman at Paris or next year to be relevant, you're going to have to run a 32, 30 off the bike. That, that, that's, and on, on the men, they're going to run 28.30 off the bike. That's going to be the new benchmark. And, um, and it's interesting. It's like, you know, like to, be, to, be, to have a process that you're healthy enough that you can sustain running is, is the thing because it's, it's easy to get to number one. It's hard to stay at number one. And let me tell you, like, you know, I, we, just, we just know, I'm, I, you know, 28, uh, yeah, the Pond of Edra is going to be really, really interesting, um, you know, from the men to see how well the men run. But anyway, so I, I think the, the, the needle's moving. Um, what jazzes me is, is, is um, just seeing people blossom and become confident in movement is something I'm completely, completely overwhelmed with. So, like, I, I, I do online classes and there's a guy there, Dave, right? And Dave's basically movement or running enlightened. He understands running forwards, backwards, upside down. You can reframe it anywhere. So I'm, I'll work the rest of my life just to have one more day. It's like, that's perfect for me. You know what I mean? So, so that is interesting. He's just become movement enlightened or so confident in your running and your movement that, that you just absolutely love it. And, um, you know, um, but what I'm really jazzed about is like before, I think, when I worked with people trying to teach them how to run, it was kind of complicated. It was one-on-one. Um, we relied on sort of little mini breakthroughs. Um, and now we talk about the tire. I've got a pretty good, I wouldn't call it a protocol, but a pretty good idea of getting most people across the line. And it, it basically involves um, the flow rope. Um and then a protocol of like I hate to say the word protocol, and it's going to change. So just, you know, but a combination of of working with a flow rope, walking backwards, and then at the moment I think the only running relevant strength um, 
strength exercise or the most running relevant strength exercise in the world is pulling a tire and not using your calves and your hamstrings. It basically, it puts a constraint on you that makes you learn how to use your hips properly. And that's a small tire. Yeah, it's a small tire. Important to note, it's not one of those CrossFit tires. (laughs) I I, got to tell you, an athlete was like, Lawrence just told me to go pull the tire. And we work at this gym where there's this giant tire. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, no, he, yeah. he can't ask you. She, they go, no, she, she, she told me, I'm like, that thing's 300 pounds. Like it was the wrong time. <laughs> it's a small, yeah, just a large <laughs> yeah, just a, not the 300 pound tire. But anyway, so the interesting thing is once people learn how to use the hips, seeing their whole body open up and their whole fascia change and the whole, change of the joint structure and um so i'm, I'm really jazzed about that it's it's, I'm, it's extraordinarily powerful um yeah so I'm, lawrence is in a good space in terms of of seeing that kind of work unfold and yeah i'm, I'm, I'm truly blessed and grateful and, and really excited and yeah um i have a lot of joy and continuity with athletes at the moment so so yeah i'm, I'm and the highs are highs and the lows are low. And you, you feel the lows as well with athletes. So, um, you know, I'm not like some buzzed noise on a high. You you go through, if, if you invest in, as Aaron says, you, you go through the highs and the lows with the athletes. It's a lot, you know. Awesome. You guys, thank you so much. Um, this has been so lovely and uh, we feel really blessed that you both came on and we organized this show for the community. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, any parting words before we sign off? It's worth staying up late. Watch the races. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We're big fans of all of you. So yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I think just to tell people to be authentic and not to copy. I, I think with, with social media and people look at what other people are doing and feel they don't have enough and you need to imitate or copy or, or, or feeling inadequate. Like just anytime you feel inadequate, anytime you feel you don't have enough, anytime those thoughts cross your mind, just really try and be true to yourself and be authentic and, and really focus on, on self-progression and realize that you have enough, you are enough and you like if you can just even if you don't believe it, just keep saying it and and just really try and reframe it into and and I think you'll f- it's amazing how like what's Rumi say like when you start on the way the way appears just starting that out and then suddenly you'll realize there's so many people around you with the resources you need putting their hand out that are there to help and enable you but when you're drowning or trapped and you feel inadequate and you're looking around and it's so complicated. You can you, again. It's like with running. If you focus on the problems, it's going to get worse. If you focus on the solutions, things will start to fall into place. So that's my message: is please just look after yourself and take care of yourself. I love it. I think that's a perfect place to end. You guys, you're awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you.